hosts, Sam Collier and Sarah Cho. And today, our guest uh, was actually a listener from the show. Ah! Um, this is John Maybe. He is a playwright who is also a certified mental health counselor, an improviser, and a true storyteller, all of which are closely related, he says, and <laughs> had the opportunity to live overseas for a decade. In academic publications, he has written book chapters and journal articles about belonging, spirituality, and sexuality. In playwriting, he has had one full-length play produced that he co-wrote in Amsterdam last year. And a short play he wrote will be included in a festival in LA next month called The Brave, the Most Brave Girl in the Whole Wide World. Welcome, John, maybe, to our show. We're Hello. so glad to have you. Yay. <laughs> I am so excited to be here. I've been a huge fan of yours from around the world, so I'm very excited. <laughs> and so where were you living most recently before you, you just moved? Yes, right? I just, yeah, I just moved back to the USA. I was living in Amsterdam and that's where okay. I first discovered your podcast. Wow. So we are international. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Um, okay. So as you know, we usually start with a show um, with a question. Tell us your earliest memory. Uh, what was your life like before theater? Yeah, my earliest memory. You know, I do have a memory of when I was in kindergartens. I must have been about five or six years old. Um, not too many memories from that time, actually, but this one sticks out. Uh, I was in the classroom. Uh, uh, we had just finished doing whatever you do in kindergarten. Uh, and then it was time, yeah, probably nothing too academic. Uh, and then it was time to play. And in the back of the room was the play area. And there were all these little cubby holes filled with toys and games. And all the kids ran back. And I remember, I've always been a very introspective person. And so I sort of like watched the scene unfold first before I joined in. And it was crazy because the boys and the girls sort of separated into two different sides of the room, boys on one, girls on the other side. And uh, the boys were like playing with like space rockets and, and trucks and toy cars and like crashing them together. Uh, and yeah, you know, very like loud and very physical. And on the girl side, they were like playing um, like board games and like actually talking to each other, which was cool. Uh, and I sort of walked over and I wanted to join the girl side because what they were doing looked like a lot more fun. I wanted to actually talk to people. Um, but I even at that age, like I knew I had to go to the boys side. And so I remember, this is so vivid in my mind, I sat down, and I picked up this truck, and I kind of watched what other boys were, were doing with it. And I remember rolling it on the ground and going, some weird truck noise, like vroom. Um, you know, like, and, and I remember feeling like it, I, I was such an idiot, like it, it, wow. it, it really wasn't me. Uh, but I knew that's sort of where I had to be. It's so hard to be a kid. Oh my yeah. gosh, my heart just goes out to that little, that little person. Well, you know, um, I think like t Tiny John really appreciates that. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and and do you see any line between that moment and then going into the theater? I mean, was what what was it that drew you to the theater as a young person? Oh, that's a really good question. I I, I started. Do you have you ever heard of Masters of the Universe? 
it was this like cartoon yeah. back in the eighties. I think I had, so. Oh, uh-huh. I had, yeah. I, I had all these like masters of the universe figures, and I would put on plays with the figures, mm. um, and I, I enjoyed it so much. And I feel like I did that as a kid because I was trying to find a way to express how I was feeling. And I, mm-hmm. I did that with those little figures. And you would probably tell them, give them lines to say, which ultimately <laughs> was playwriting. Absolutely. Yeah, it's funny. I, I didn't stage them like it was like a, a, a movie. I really staged them like it was a play. That's yeah. so cute. <laughs> um, and so did you study theater in college or did you yeah no um i really wanted to but i was a little afraid to pursue theater in high school and college uh because in my family it was very academic focused and uh you know like so in a very scholastic way and the arts they weren't discouraged but they weren't seen as being something you should really pursue professionally Mm. so so how did you get there then? Well, I, I, I had this really interesting experience. I, um, by the age of like 19, I had never actually left home. I had only been in like the Southwest of the USA. I'd never been on an airplane before. And uh, when I was 19, I had the chance to go to Europe and go to this conference. And while I was there, I stopped off in London and I saw theater for the first time. Wow. And it blew wow. my mind. What did you see? So uh, this was quite a while ago, but at that time, um, the I think like the two, I saw two musicals that had a big impact on me. One was Rent. Uh-huh. And at that time, because the storytelling in it, I had, I had no idea you would tell those kinds of stories. Um, that just boggled my, my, my mind um, to really tell these like gritty true life stories uh, and then I also saw Chicago, which I know is, is kind of cheesy, but at that time it was this big musical. And um, this was actually a big moment for me because I, at that time, seats were still hard to get. And I got this day seat by myself in the front row. And I Oh my gosh, was, that's amazing. I, I was so engrossed. And believe it or not, at the end of the musical, I think the actors, they took notice of me because they came out for like the big round of applause and they bowed. They called me on stage. Wow. The actors. Oh um, my and gosh. They gave me this, this rose and I'm trying to remember Chicago. I haven't seen it in so long. There's some kind of like a rose that's given to one of the actors at the end of the musical. They gave me the rose. Oh my God. And they said that they loved watching me as they were performing on stage. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, like, was, that's you know, like the, the, you know, the, the gods of the theater coming down and inviting you to join them. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Like I was so enthralled with just the live performance of it. Absolutely. Wow. And then, so, so what was the first play that you wrote? So the first play that I wrote um, was um, a play called communion. And it was a play um, where I really expressed a lot of, what I had inside of me, like stories that I really needed to get out about 
what it was like growing up gay and in a family where you're the only one who is mm-hmm. um, and what that that feels like. And that that's I, I'd written short plays before that, but that was my very first full length play. And the one where I really felt like my voice was coming through. Was it in Europe that you started uh, uh, being introduced with improv, improvisation? Yeah, yeah. yes. Uh, I, I was living in Amsterdam. Uh, this was about 10 years ago. And uh, I was trying to get to know people. And it was a bit hard because when you first move over there, um, I think nowadays there's more opportunities to get to know people, but um, back then it was a little bit more challenging. And I thought improv was going to be a very silly um, thing to do to just meet people. And then I discovered you could do amazing storytelling with improv. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, improv. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I've been doing it on and off for so many years that I was just like, oh, uh, it, it's one of the things I learned about improv was how challenging it is. I mean, like I, I'm not a performer either, but to make this, some of those scenes really work or like you have to be vulnerable and, and I was yeah. like, Oh, I don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. I, yeah. You know, it's a crazy thing because you're both the actor and the playwright right. when you're on stage. Uh, so it's a very vulnerable thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I did some of it in Chicago and here in LA, and some rough times. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then um, you're living in Amsterdam for ten years, and you're also—it says here—you're also a health counselor. Yeah, right? yeah. So um, I yeah, so I sort of went back and forth between Amsterdam, New York, and and, and London over that ten years. But the entire time, I've kept my credential as a mental health counselor uh, because I feel like it gave me some of the best training to be a playwright that I could have ever have gotten. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk more about that? How um, that experience or that background kind of informs your writing? Absolutely. Um, I think as to be a really good mental health counselor, you you really have to know how to listen and, and to do really uh, positive, active listening, where you're, you're hearing what's being said, but you're also listening uh, to what's not being said. Mm. And so I, I, it was a three-year professional program, and I clocked so many hours sitting with people listening. And... Um, and I feel like to be a really good playwright, you really have to know people and understand language. And it helped me write very authentic dialogue as well. Oh, that's really cool. And so and something that I do now is I I don't know if if I, I don't know the process that, that other playwrights have when developing plays. And I think what I do might be a bit strange. Uh, but I write case notes for my characters as oh. if they're they're clients of mine. Cool. Oh, that's that's interesting. Like you like can can you describe that a little bit? What that looks like on the page? Definitely, yeah. I I pretend as if the um a character is a client and we're in session <laughs> and I I'm writing case notes, which is basically a lot of their background history. Um, and I sort of make up a reason why they would have gone to therapy. Mm-hmm. And I think with with any great character in fiction, 
it, you, you, you can always find a reason why that character might be in therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think therapy is a wonderful thing, but I love writing delicious characters that, that, that are working through issues. And so I sort of write what they present as, and then also what I see as the underlying reason that they've really come to therapy. And all that comes out in the course of the play. Oh, that's really cool. Because I I just read your play, The B Word, and um, one of the characters is in therapy early in the play. And so, um, and, and kind of talks about this traumatic thing that he's gone through that feels like um a trigger point for a lot of the plot um so was that did you start out with that plan ahead of time or did you kind of discover that as you were writing case notes for that character um how did that come to be yeah, with um, with the B word, uh, I had a uh, a writing partner named Christine, and she and I worked together through all of the characters and and all of the story. And so the process for that was a bit different because it was my first time collaborating on a play. Um, but for that for that character specifically, his therapist in the play is actually a very bad therapist. <laughs> like she, she she breaks boundaries yeah. and and like in 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 really unhealthy ways. Uh, and so I, I I love writing bad therapists <laughs> as well because I feel like they're just great characters. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. What was it like to write a play with another person? It was. Um, you know, I, I'll be, I'll, I'll be honest. It was, I was a little bit nervous at first. Um, uh, the um, uh, theater company, uh, which is this amazing theater company. If you're looking for something in Amsterdam, that's English speaking theater. It's a really wonderful company. It's, it's orange theater company. Um, and they had a call for plays um, about a certain topic. And I submitted a proposal, as did many other people, and they brought uh, me together with someone else and, and, and said, look, we, we know that you two don't really know each other at all, and you've never worked together, but we'd like you to write a play together. <laughs> and bo- both of us, I think, were a bit nervous about uh, what that would entail, but it ended up being one of the most amazing experiences of writing that I've ever had. And I, I think what really worked is that we didn't know each other. Mm-hmm. And so there wasn't all of the um, the boundaries of friendship to navigate as we were writing the play. We were just professional colleagues. And then the friendship evolved later. Oh, I was going to quickly ask, so what's the, um, the process like? Do you write a few pages? And she wrote a few pages? Are you shared? Yeah, it was it was this constant process of reviewing each other's work, and so I would work on a scene, she would work on a scene, and we both had laid out the um, the basic plot points, and then we would review each other's work back and forth, back and forth, and then to make it even more challenging, we had this unconventional uh, structure to it. Uh, so uh, it turned into this full time job. I, I I think we both worked more. We both worked more hours on it than we would have if we had written it by ourselves, but I think it made for a better play. Hmm. And then something else I noticed in that play that was really cool was there are these scenes where there are three different things happening simultaneously um, in different places and often in different times, um, like different times within the world of the play. And, And so... 
just to give readers a sense or listeners a sense of what that looks like when you're reading it, you have these three columns on the page. Um, and a lot of the dialogue is happening over it's simultaneous or it's overlapping, or there will be pauses where one character continues the action of the scene while a different character in a different scene is speaking. Um, did you, had you done that kind of format in other plays or was this new to this play? And um, how did you arrive at that approach? Uh, this was new to this play. Um, I've, I've played with uh, structure in, in other plays that I've written, but this was the, the, the first play where it was explored in, in, in such a big way. And I owe a huge debt of gratitude to a play that I saw in London um, by uh, Alice Birch called Anatomy of a Suicide. Oh, cool. Uh, and uh, you know, strangely enough, that's actually coming to Broadway in uh, winter of 2020. Oh, listeners in New York, go see that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's this it's this phenomenal play. I saw it back in 2017, and it blew my mind the way that she structured her storytelling, and that it was three generations of a family, um, and the way that she wrote that play was in columns. And so that opened up for me this world of possibility of what I could do with with this play. Uh, and what I did is I took the um that that concept that she had in in her play and developed it in a slightly different way for these characters and for this structure but but watching her play just opened my eyes to what a play could be it doesn't have to look in a certain way hmm. yeah and so did you you first encountered it on stage and then did you see how that looked on the page or vice versa or um i yeah, I started writing uh, my version of, of what that might look like before I read her playtext. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then once I read her playtext, it filled in gaps for me. Of uh, it helped me troubleshoot of how do I convey what I'm trying to convey in this unconventional format because I'm someone that loves to write a play that's very readable. Mm-hmm. I love to write something with very minimal stage directions and something that someone reading the play can visualize it just as well as if you're, you're actually watching it. And this is not one of those plays. This is something that I think is very challenging to read, but so, so rewarding to see. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. I I'll keep an eye out for that. Now let's move on to your other play. uh, The most brave girl in the the entire world. Yeah, the most brave the girl in the whole wide world. world. Sorry, <laughs> I was the wrong note. It's it's it's, re- it's it's really meant to be a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's gonna uh make it um premiere in L.A. The part of uh, a series or a part of the festival called the Light and Dark Places. Um, yeah, yeah. So could you talk a little bit about your play? Um, I don't want to give too much away, but. But also what the the submission was like, and you know why did you want to submit this play to the uh, festival? Definitely, yeah. It when uh, I submitted this when I was still living in Amsterdam, and I knew that I would be moving back to the USA, but I didn't have uh, any 
any connections to any theaters back in the, the USA. And, you know, I'm sure as both of you know, like submitting plays for different uh, festivals mm-hmm. and competitions and to theaters that, that take submissions, it's, it's such a competitive process. Um, there is, uh, there's just so many people writing new work, which is wonderful. Uh, but it makes it for a very crowded field. (laughs) Yeah. And so I I didn't have very much, much hope for this, but it was a festival that really spoke to me because, um, I'd been wanting to write something like this for a while. And when I was about 10 years old, I had a friend who ended his life and it's something that always stayed with me. And mentally, I didn't know how to process it, but writing about it is such a great way to process something and to to get it out. And so I wrote something specifically for that festival. And, you know, you sent it off into the world and you just crossed your fingers. And I was just overjoyed that it was accepted as part of the festival. Oh, that's so cool. So will this be the first time you see this play staged? Yes, yes. It's it's um, brand new, right? Yeah, it's a completely new new play. Um, I'm, I think it comes from improv that I'm someone that loves collaboration. So I'm I'm not I'm not too interested in ever directing my own work. I love to just write something and then have actors and directors uh, make it their own and create something new out of it. And so, uh, but. In this age of social media, it's been wonderful because as people have been cast as the two actors and the uh, director, we sort of found each other on Instagram, (laughs) Yeah, which is wonderful. And we've been communicating during this devising process on their end. And so it's been this wonderful use of social media to connect in that way. Cool. That's great. Uh, Where's the theater or do you know where it's going to be performed? Yeah, it's at the Stella Adler Theater on Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, okay. Um, That's like West Hollywood, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I'm so so excited. Um, I, I've not been there yet, but I'm definitely going to fly out uh, for both of the weekends. It's on for two separate weekends. Cool. And what are the dates? Um, it's the first two weekends in September, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's the 6th, 7th, and 8th, and then the following weekend... Uh, which is the 13th, 14th, 15th. Cool. Uh, so Beckett's Babies listeners, if any of you go, you'll get to meet John yeah. at the <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's this amazing festival. Um, the woman running it, um, Kelly O'Malley, she uh, she puts this this festival on every year with original plays about about suicide and with the, and it's geared toward prevention and awareness and and sort of trying to erase that stigma of talking about mental health. Wow, that's amazing! That's so beautiful and and so important. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> So what is it about plays that you love that you feel you can't get from any other form of writing? Um, What do you think the theater can do that is special or unique? There's, you know, there's something about the communal experience of, of watching live theater together. Um, is it being in this, in this, this room and watching with a, just a bunch of strangers and, 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 and watching something unfold for you in, in real time. There's something so special about that and something so ancient about that um, in uh, with storytelling. And what I, I love about it 
as opposed to, say, going to a movie theater, is that the audience, the energy of the audience affects what happens on stage. And so it's truly this different performance every night. And the theater gives me chills. There's there's something about it, even thinking about sitting down to watch a play, it gives me such excitement. It, it's the second home for me. Mm, the chills. And just like thinking about um, the that as soon as you enter the theater, the space, and then sometimes you see the stage, there's like lighting involved. It's like, I don't know, it... Um, I love what you said, just like it's like a communal experience. There's something, it's like going to church or something. It's like this this feeling. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's just like you're going in. I'm already like thinking, what could this be about? You know, like because the way the set is, like the set is the first thing you see too, so almost always. And so you're like with the people, you're settling down. And that first few minutes right before the lights go down, it's like that anticipation. I, I could do, I like that feeling all the time. Yeah, it's so so exciting, and and I I, I know what you mean about uh, church because I write a lot about spirituality because growing up I grew up in this very religious family, and so that was really part of my of my core. And in my writing, a lot of that uh, typically comes out, and so um, I, I do get that feeling sitting in a theater like you were in church. And what's what's wonderful is if you're the playwright and what you're watching unfold on stage is words that that you've written. It's almost like being in church and listening to someone uh, deliver some kind of a sermon that you wrote. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, it's it's a bit strange, but there's this really wonderful connection there. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about submissions earlier. Um, one of the things we like to talk on the show is rejections. Uh, Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we all kind of go through those feelings. We're just wondering, how do you handle rejections? Like what, what's, do you just sort of like, are you the type of person just like, let it go. And you just don't care. You move on. You're like, <laughs> Sam, you're just like, I don't care. <laughs> or do you kind of like go through these moments of like, like going to a corner and hurtling and just sort of like, uh, like me. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I think I'm a really good mix of both uh, of, of both of you. Um, it, it's um, yeah, the theater is just this really weird place where I think to write something that really resonates with with people, something that has a lot of honesty to it, you you need to be very open. Um, I've seen plays where um, there's what I'm watching is not my experience, but I know there's so much truth in it. It it just moves me. And I think to be able to do that as a playwright, you need to be so open to the world, to your own feelings, to everything. You need to, to be able to let things in, but then you need to be able to submit your plays and, and, and not crumble when they're not accepted. And um, I try to think of it like like when I um, was doing professional counseling, that sometimes there's a, a client that we just didn't have the right chemistry. Like I just wasn't the right therapist for them. And that doesn't mean there was anything wrong with them. And there was nothing wrong with me either. We just weren't a good fit. And so it's trying to decide like this, this play was, was not accepted. Is it because it just, it just wasn't a good play 
or was it just not a good fit for that theater? So I, I try to think of it more broadly than just an outright rejection. And how do you tell the difference? I think um, maybe some of our newer playwrights might be interested in hearing how can you tell when a play isn't right for that particular opportunity versus when a play really needs a lot more work? Oh, absolutely. It's it's a really tough one. I think that answer for me is um, finding a playwriting community that you can share your, your work with and get feedback uh, and seeing your work through different eyes and then knowing when you, you do submit your work that it's at a stage where it, it's really ready to, to be seen by a theater. Um, and I, I think when I first started writing, I was, I was giving drafts of my plays to anybody that, that knew how to read, <laughs> you know, which, which was really not the right way to go because there are just some people that, that don't, like reading plays or, or some people that read a play and think it's going to read like a novel. Um, and so mm-hmm. you really have to be selective with deciding where you get feedback. But I feel like it's through building community that I know is, is it my play or is it the opportunity? Yeah, that's, that's good advice. It's like and find I, those readers. Yeah. And if I, I, I could just mention, not to be uh, too much of a fan, but that's how <laughs> I found, <laughs> it, it's how I found your podcast because I was, I was in Amsterdam and I, I had a writing community uh, group there, but I, I, I really wanted to connect with American playwrights. I really wanted um, to connect with, with, uh, people back home. And I just searched, I searched for playwriting podcasts and I listened to so many and, um, there's a lot of them that I listened to one episode and I never listened again because it wasn't the right fit for me. I'm sure it's like, it was the right podcast for someone, but it just wasn't the right fit for me. And then I found your podcast and I don't know if you remember, but I wrote you an email. Of course we remember. (laughs) Because I, it, it really gave me the sense of community back in the USA that I longed for. And it, it was, this was the podcast that I needed to hear. That email is posted to our metaphorical refrigerator for all time. (laughs) As an early indicator of uh, listeners. Yeah, I think you were one of our first emails that we've gotten. Yeah, that was really great. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I, I, I love all of your shows because I, I love hearing playwrights talk about their craft because I came at playwriting from such a non-traditional background that I love hearing the experiences of other playwrights and really all aspects of the theater. So, John, so your play, The B Word, incorporates all of these pretty big political themes like immigration and Brexit and... Um, and just like interpersonal politics and global politics, um, I'm wondering if you have a sense of what you're working on next or or would be willing to share um, what's on your mind as you look at the world around you and think about what you want to write. 
Absolutely. Um, I, I've, I've been writing a lot of, of short plays recently, uh, which I've really been enjoying. And I've uh, tried to start full-length, uh, another full-length play. And I've been having trouble because there's a topic that I was sort of dancing around that I didn't want to write about. And I finally mustered the courage to start writing about it. Um, and it's, I think looking at the world in terms of like politics and what's happening in the world. And I was living in London at the time of the Brexit referendum. And at that time, there was a lot of political turmoil back in the USA as well with the election. Um, so much was happening in the world. And I saw so many changes, positive and negative, um, that I really wanted to write something that had more queer characters, um, exploring what life is like. And for so many years, I resisted it. And I really had to figure out why. And I think for me, I, I didn't want to write about queer characters more because I saw so many bad news articles um, about my community and mm-hmm. um, so much misinformation that I didn't want to write a play that had honesty to it because I didn't want to write queer characters that were in any way struggling or negative because yeah. I saw so, so much of it. Real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I've just finished the very first draft of a new full length play, one that I'm so excited about that it's a majority queer characters and they are complex, you know, multi-dimensional human beings that have positive aspects and negative aspects they're they're real people and it took me a while to get there but i've written this first draft of something that i'm very proud of well congratulations thank you thank you (laughs) what's the title would you be willing to tell us the title does it have a title it's still it's still um, in flux, um, and actually, my husband is in the other room reading the first draft oh right my now. Gosh. <laughs> this is happening in real time. So, um, so have you yeah. heard any laughter or gasps or no? Noises? But it, but it's the it's the, the strangest thing to be uh, with you recording this this podcast right now, and I've hidden in the other room reading this this first draft. Oh my gosh! I don't um, know I'm how not, you're still I'm here. Not... If it were me, I'd be running <laughs> to the other room like every five seconds to see how it's going. <laughs> I know. It, um, he um, he is my 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 first reader always um, because he he's not afraid to tell me when something's good and when something's not good. Like he'll go to my improv shows and I will get off stage and he is not afraid to tell me if something <laughs> didn't work. So he, he is so honest. Oh. <laughs> wow. You're strong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Um, since we're winding down before we get to glistens, um, what is what advice would you give to our listeners who are interested in uh, creating new work and playwriting? Yeah, I, I would say um, something that I wish someone had told me early on is um, to, to write and to not judge what I'm writing. Um, I had so many false starts when I was first trying to write plays because I thought they, 
didn't look the way that a play was supposed to look or or I, I wasn't going about it in the right way or that, you know, real playwrights would sort of write this differently. Like I, I thought I had to sit down and map out an outline of the entire play and plot points and character development. And what I was basically doing was just delaying the writing of the play. So just just sit down and just write. And don't worry if you're not doing it in the way you think a playwright is supposed to write. Just just start writing and have something that you can then work with. So many false starts. Ah, oh, such a yeah. <laughs> so many. <laughs> um, yeah. So where can our listeners find you? Um, I. Yeah, currently working on a website. I did I did have one, but I did nothing with it. So I'm revamping. Uh, so I think the best way to find me is on Instagram. It's a J maybe. That's J-M-A-B-E-Y. Cool. Or they can find you in real life at A Light and Dark Places. The yes, first two weeks yes. of September. Come see me in uh, LA. I, I think the reason why we're doing this podcast now is it all came from I, wanting to build community. And so if I can meet any other playwrights who are in LA at that time, that's wonderful. I, I'm living in Atlanta, Georgia now. So if there's any playwrights listening that have heard this and yeah. say, I want to meet that guy, I would Aww. love to meet you. <laughs> have you ever cool. uh, visited LA? Um, I, I've been there when I was younger, but not in a long time. So I'm cool. so, so excited to go back. If you want any food recommendations, let me know. <laughs> I'm such a foodie, so yes, so please. Um, yeah, so we'll move on to glistens. Um, so, John, you probably know what glistens are. Um, it's the part of our show where we just sort of highlight uh, things that really popped out to us um, during the week and something that, uh, yeah. So, I don't know. Sam, do you want to start? I will start. My glisten is the state of Maine. <laughs> which I just moved to <laughs> a week ago after driving for oh three days God. with my very drugged and sedated dog in the backseat. Um, <laughs> we arrived in Maine and it's beautiful. I have to say, I feel like um, I, it feels a little bit like Northern Michigan, except more wild and remote feeling. I mean, I just feel like I'm so far away from everything. Um, but I would never want to go anywhere else because it's so beautiful. That's how it feels to be in Maine. Took three mm. days. Did you make any stops along the way? Or did you? <laughs> of course. Of course. I, I mean, you mean like. No, like, to yeah, sleep? like to. Or just like do some sightseeing or, or did you just like. I did not. I did not do sightseeing. What happened was. I mean, moving is horrible. And I had planned to leave Traverse City at about noon um, on the 15th. And I ended up leaving at 8 p.m. (laughs) (laughs) So everything got thrown way off. So I had to drive like 12 hours on the second day. And there was no time for sightseeing. Um, But but I mean, it was it was a beautiful drive across Pennsylvania and upstate New York. Yeah. And now I live near the ocean. Nice. What's your glisten, Sarah? My glisten. I'm trying to find it. Um, it was, 
it was this quote I found. Oh, okay. But this is, this was like a month ago quote, but there's a little story behind it. So, um, you know, those calendars with like inspirational quotes. I'm talking about? Okay. So there was this yeah. quote that says, don't be intimidated by what you don't know. That can be your greatest strength and ensure that you do things differently. Uh, this quote was by Sarah Blakely. And I was just like, who the F is Sarah Blakely, right? <laughs> and then so I go on this like crazy Google search and then she's the the founder of Spanx, you know, the, all the women's wear. Oh my God. You know, that, all that, <laughs> that shapewear. And then I go, and then, I, and then yeah. I'm like, and then I went on this weird spiral. I don't know how many weeks or something, but of days, but I'm like, why are we wearing, wearing shapewear? <laughs> Why, why do women like and then i'm like talking to some friends and oh girls and they're all like for almost like every weddings or like every party or a big events are like all having to wear this like shapewear to help cover all their like wrinkles or creases on their dresses and stuff and i'm just like like what the heck and then i was like yeah i don't know i was i'm i've been thinking a lot about this quote sarah blakely and Spank recently so I don't know if that's going to be a play or not, but I've just been thinking about that a lot. That has to be a play. I think that would be a really good Sarah Cho play. Thanks, the play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. John, do you have a glisten? Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll take a, a cue from uh, Sam that my glisten is about geography. Um, my birthday was this past week. Oh, happy birthday. Uh, thank you. Uh, and we took a road trip to Savannah, Georgia. That's supposed and, to be such a cool town. It is so beautiful. Um, I've never lived in the South before. And so, uh, but this to me is the quintessential like Southern city. It's um, it's, just, it's like it, these beautiful trees dripping with Spanish moss. Mm-hmm. Um, and at night you hear all of these insects, not in like a creepy way, like, oh my gosh, something's going to bite me. But it's... <laughs> you, you feel like you're walking around a movie set. It is so atmospheric and beautiful. And the architecture, uh, it is a city I will definitely go back to. It's beautiful. Wow. What a good birthday present. It was. Yeah, it was perfect. So you must be, a, are you a Leo? Yes. Okay. Well, happy birthday. I'm Leo. Thank you very I'm much. I'm Aries. Sam is Cancer. So listeners, you just found out all our astrological signs. Everything you need to know. All right. Well, thank you, John, for coming on to our show. I I had such a great time, and this has been the perfect end to my birthday weekend. So thank you. (laughs) It's been great to talk to you, and good luck with your show. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening. This has been our interview with John Maybe. And um, if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to tell your friends, either on social media or, I don't know, you could pick up the phone and call them. <laughs> what? Sam, call? Wait, wait, wait a minute. You mean turn on your phone and, and dial a number. That's what I'm saying. And call them and, up and, and then talk what to you them? say, they're going to be so astonished. 
they're going to be, why are you calling me? And then you'll say, I just heard this amazing podcast and you have to listen to it. You mean the thing they say it's a word of mouth? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that's what people do in Maine. What the? (laughs) Well, you heard it here first, folks. (laughs) Share the word by word of mouth by calling your friends. And we love, also, we love to hear from listeners. And so um, if you hear something you like or you have a question or you you have an idea, get in touch with us. And who knows, maybe you could end up on Beckett's Babies as well. I don't know. I think we're fun. We're really fun people to talk to. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks for listening.